In this month of Amshir, we heard time and time again that something about the bread. The first Sunday, we heard that we should not over-worry ourselves about bread, about living in general. All of us occupy 99.9% of our time worried about things that will not matter at the end. And then the next Sunday, we heard that Christ is a provider. Christ can make five loaves and two fish a food for thousands and thousands. He's a provider. Therefore, we need to trust him and trust him when he said, do not worry. Then the third Sunday, which is tomorrow, we hear the message from the mouth of our Lord saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And I told you last time, bread doesn't mean bread as in bread. It also means the, the essential nutrition, the essential food that's needed for life. And I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about this bread of life. This idea of the bread of life that Christ will give food from heaven, you can see it all the way in the Old Testament. The manna that was given. We see Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, appearing out of nowhere with no, basically prefaced what he does, holding bread and wine in his hand and blessing Abraham and Abraham giving him the tithes. What is this about? We don't know. And then we see that God is able to sustain his people in the wilderness of Sinai for four years. And then we flip the pages. Then Christ said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. I have something better to give you. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats me will live forever. And I will raise him up on the last day. Whoever drinks, whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will live forever. Then the Jews asked him, saying what? Does anybody remember? How? How are you going to do that? How can you give us your body and your blood? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? What did Christ say to them? Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What's he saying? How is none of your business. How this is the body of God... It's none of our business. We don't know. We just know that it is. And that's the beauty of the Orthodox Church and the Apostolic Church. That we don't try to rationalize the things that's none of our business. We don't call it any names. We say this is a mystery. That the Spirit of God during the liturgy by the word of prayer. Comes on the bread and makes a body. Comes on the wine and makes it blood. The blood of Christ that was on the cross. The body of Christ that was on the cross. How? We do not know. The bread remains a bread as material. It's still bread, but it is the body of God. The wine tastes and feels like wine. It is wine, but it is the blood of God. This is, this is an essential understanding in orthodoxy. And this is the, the highest level of communion with God. Imagine that all of us want to be close to God. Want to get to know God. And imagine taking God inside of you. What closer union could there be when his body and blood is united with your molecules? It's flowing in your bloodstream. Think of it this way. When we take the body and the blood of God, he is making us live. He is making us live. He is running through our arteries and our veins and our hearts and our organs. What greater union is there? There isn't any. There isn't any. We have to also understand that no one on this planet 
is worthy to receive the body and the blood of Christ. No one. The only one who's worthy is whom? Is the one who says in his heart, I am not worthy. Not by your mouth. God doesn't care about that. He said, that's the Jews. You, you worship me by your, by your words, but your heart is far away from me. In your deep in your heart, you feel you are the most worthless person to receive that body and blood of God. Then you're worthy. Then God said, I'm the one to give it to you. That's a must. That's a must understanding in the Orthodox Church. And anybody who thinks he's worthy of it is actually committing a sin against the Lord himself. Taking it lightly. Taking it lightly. We have so many instances in the church where people were risking their own life to die to take communion. We have seen it over and over again. I told you this story many times in the past years and I'm sharing it again because of how beautiful it is. Sam Victoria of Carthage, you probably, I would say all of you probably don't know much about her, but she was from Carthage in North Africa in the 200s. And there was a decree that was ordered that Christians cannot assemble on Sunday. But her and the priest and few people from the city gathered together on Sunday morning at the crack of dawn and they celebrated the liturgy and they took communion and then they were all arrested. And then the governor knew, the governor knew Victoria and her family and yes, sir, Victoria, are you out of your mind? How could you defy my order and disrespect me like this? Why are you gathering with these people and celebrating your ritual on Sunday, even though I said not to do so? Then she told him, how could I not? This is from the words of Sam Victoria. She's not a theologian. She's just a simple person. She said, how could I not go there on Sunday? Okay, Christians get together to make the liturgy because... The liturgy makes them Christians. Wrap your head around that. نحن نصنع القداس لأن القداس يصنعنا مسيحيين. المسيحيين يصنعون القداس لأن القداس يصنعهم مسيحيين. So we make, we celebrate the Eucharist because that's what makes us Christians. It's a very essential thing you have to understand. And also, we hear from the fathers that during the time of the liturgy, our heart is supposed to be in the presence of God. We're supposed to be thinking, God, I am not worthy that you enter under my roof. If you remember those prayers that we pray before we take communion, that all of us should be praying from the end of the Agbeya before we take communion, there's a couple of prayers. The first one for St. Basil, and another one, the second one for St. John Chrysostom. The one for St. John Chrysostom said, Lord, you did not shy from touching the leper who can make you sick, who's contagious. And nobody would want to touch him. You touched him. Touch me. I'm like the leper. And make me worthy to take your, your body and blood. And then the other one which I love. Okay. The sinful woman. The adulteress. You did not shy away from making her touch you. I'm the one who's like her. I'm her at the same. That's what St. John Chrysostom said. The, the, the adulteress who is like me. And I'm like her. You did not disdain from making her touch you. Make me also worthy to have your body and blood. Imagine if that's your heart and mind in the liturgy. And that's what's occupying you during the time of the liturgy. You're going to be in heaven. I promise you. If your mind is everywhere else but that, you're wasting your time. You wasted your time by coming. So this is where our heart and mind needs to be. 
at the foot of the altar, at the foot of Christ, being in awe that we're going to receive the most precious thing in creation. The most precious thing, bread becoming the body of God, and then the wine becoming the very blood of God who died for us on the cross. May God make us worthy of receiving His body and blood, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.